0: Shall we pray as we look at God's word together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the passage that E've read, Lord, for that story of Ruth, and and Lord, for the fact that we can just come be Your people. And Lord, we thank you that we are Your family first and foremost. Lord, um, we can be mistaken for being an organisation. Um, some may even think of it like a club, but Lord, this is a family. And Lord, like all families, you know there there are things that we deal with, things that we go through together. Lord, we share joys, we share pains. But Father, Lord, we come to be your children together, worshipping our God. Father, that is our priority. That is our most important thing, coming in your presence to be your people as you, our Father. We thank you, Lord, that we get to enter that presence as always has reminded us because your son, Jesus Christ, gave his life on the cross. You gave him to us, Lord, to take our sin, so that we could be made well and be forgiven and we thank you lord for that and lord i pray that even as words come out of my mouth your spirit may just be reminding us of the great truth of the gospel i ask it first for your holy spirit refresh. We pray praise we look at your word in jesus name amen amen if you've got that passage open that would be great um but let me start with uh, something else a uh, little boy during a sunday school production um forgot his uh, lines he had one job all he had to say was I am the light of the world he was going to play Jesus for one line and he forgot his line his mother sat in the front row and he completely lost where he was in the Sunday school sketch as she sat there quite tense as you know as you know the feeling if you've got younger ones she gestured with her hands she mouthed with the words all of it to no avail did not help her son's memory was completely blank well one thing remained She leant forward and she whispered into his ear the cue that he should say, I am the light of the world. The child beamed, ready to deliver the greatest line of his life. With great feeling and a clear voice, he said, my mother is the light of the world. (laughs) I'm glad you laughed at that. Anyway, today is Mothering Sunday and uh, and it's a time to celebrate mums and motherhood and their unique and important role in society. We live in a world where perhaps sometimes the role of mums isn't celebrated as much as it should be. And so here in this place, as followers of Jesus Christ and believers in God Almighty, we stand and we honour those who have gone through the adventure and the, and the challenge of motherhood. Um, however that's been, the tragedies and the pains that you probably would have all experienced one way or another, we honour you for your work and your role looking after those children God has given you. And we want to thank God for you and pray for great wisdom for the future and, uh, and strength for the years ahead. And if you've got those who are not yet teenagers, we particularly pray for wisdom and strength for you. Um, it is one of the hardest roles to be a mum, so I'm told. Um, I'm only a dad, uh, what do I know? But, uh, but it is a hard role to be a mother and it is the most important. We believe that society works best when families are healthy and we ask that we, we really want to pray that you work on your family to be healthy and we believe society is better when families are better and so we pray for god's blessing on you so on top of that we believe that a mum who is a godly woman a woman of faith a woman who follows jesus christ as her lord and savior is something extra special in the family dynamic abraham lincoln no less said this no man is poor who has a godly mother No man is poor who has a godly mother. The greatest gift you can give your children, no matter what age they are, I might tell you, is godliness. That is the greatest gift we can all give our children. Let me break the tension. There was a mother of three notoriously unruly children. This is not based on anybody here. Um, Three notoriously unruly children. And she was asked on a quiet moment whether if she had to do all again, whether she would. And she said emphatically, yes. Just not with the same ones. (laughs) Anyway, um, Enid has uh, very kindly read to us a few verses from the, the first chapter of the book of Ruth. And and it is a fantastic um, book in the Old Testament, a book called Ruth. And if you've got it open in front of you, it's good to have it. We'll refer to it in a moment. But it is an interesting book, the book of Ruth, totally different to everything that's come before. Um, You've you've had the first five books, Genesis, all the way to Deuteronomy. You've had Joshua and Judges, and they're totally different. And this book of Ruth appears with a, a really unusual, unexpected story. The whole tone of the Bible completely changes and then we get this wonderful book, it's intimate, it's special, uh, and it just actually tells a different type of story, different type of work that God is doing. It takes place during the time of the book of Judges, so if you've read the book of Judges, you'll know that everything just goes to pot in the book of Judges. Over 200 years, they start right and they just end up right away way down there. And in the midst of that awful story, actually, is this wonderful story of how God is still in those little small ways doing his good works all over and that's a real lesson for us isn't it sometimes in our lives things can be spiraling down even in our families even at church or at work but actually you need to look for the fingerprints of God because God always is doing something that can give you an encouragement that you can say yes God is still living and active And so this book tells the story of a woman called Naomi, Naomi, um, who, due to a famine in Judah, leaves home. She goes to Moab with her husband and two sons. Sadly, when they get to Moab a bit later, her husband dies. And then a little later, both her sons marry. So it gets bad, and perhaps it gets a little bit better for Naomi. She has two wonderful daughters-in-law. Her sons are happy, presumably, I assume, from the women we meet in this book. Everything is good. But then tragedy would strike again, and she would lose not one, but both of her sons. Can you imagine how this poor woman feels? Not just her husband, but her two sons as well. And in life, don't we all sometimes go through terrible moments? We go through tragedy on tragedy sometimes. We think, can it get any worse? And sometimes it does. And we wonder what on earth is going on. If God is still with us, if God still has a plan, well, the book of Ruth could give us some encouragement that actually if we hope in him and Put our faith in him and trust in him even when all seems lost God can still provide God can show us great love and grace and mercy and so she's left with her two daughters-in-law Orpah and Ruth and uh, so she makes a decision to go back to Judah let's go back to my homeland things are better there now God's rescued his people he's, he's for his people again and as they walk home she has a moment where she thinks no this is wrong you two young women need to go back to your hometown to your families and find new husbands and start all over again rather than being widows with me back in Judah and uh, Orpah of course after some convincing leaves Ruth we know refuses to go point blank and it leads to one of the most wonderful couple of verses in the whole of the book where Ruth clings to her mother-in-law and says from verse 16 of chapter 1 don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you where you go I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. What a thing to say to your mother in law of all people. Anyway, uh, no, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry. Mother in laws are wonderful. I have a wonderful mother in law. The rest of the book. After that moment is about... Please don't judge me for a mother-in-law joke. There's another one coming later, just to prepare you in advance. Um, But actually, the rest of the book then is is about Ruth, and how she meets a man named Boaz, and how they get married, and how actually God restores the fortunes of this broken, now destitute family. And actually, the message of the book is about that, but it's also about how this foreigner comes into God's people, Israel, And then, as Edith said, becomes a part of the line of Jesus Christ, his family line. If you look at the genealogy of Jesus in the book of Matthew and Luke, you will see actually God has allowed all sorts of unexpected people in his family line, a reminder to us that in the family of God aren't full of perfect, wonderful people, but broken people who have done all sorts of terrible things, Yet they've remained faithful to God and he has included them in his family. You might be broken this morning. You might be a mess this morning. But you can be in the family of God. God isn't judging you on how perfect you are. His job is to make you perfect. Not for you to make yourself perfect first. All that matters is faith in Jesus Christ. And so Ruth will marry Boaz and her son will be granddad to King David, the greatest king in Israel's history. But there is another message in this book and perhaps poignant to mothering Sunday and I believe it's found in this early interaction between Ruth and Naomi and her example that she sets to her two daughters-in-law, particularly Ruth. And actually it's the part she plays in forming Ruth's character by her own motherly example and it's that that I want to think about this morning because as much as Ruth became a link in Jesus genealogy I believe part of her character was formed by um, Naomi's example when she faced tough times herself so a little boy when his dad's mother-in-law came said I'm so sure I'm sure glad to see you the little boy said to his grandmother on his mother's side now daddy can do the trick he's been promising us all week the grandmother was curious what trick is that she asked well he told mummy that he'd climb the walls if you came to visit him <laughs> anyway that's the last one anyway that wasn't actually that funny sorry anyway so you remember the story hopefully that Enie's just read to us I won't read it again But there are just a couple of glimpses, in just a couple of verses, verses 6 to 9, we get a glimpse of Naomi's character, her her godly, motherly example. And it's a real challenge to us as men and women here this morning. And just a couple of things I want to draw out. The first is the word commitment. Verses 6 to 7 says, When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, She and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living, set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Having lost her husband and her two sons, you couldn't blame her for looking out for number one, could you? You couldn't blame her for thinking, well, you go that way and I'm going to go that way and see you later. But actually, Naomi is committed to Ruth and Orpah. She's unbelievably committed to them. You get no sense in those two verses I've just read that she sees these two women who aren't blood family as anything other than family. They are her daughters as far as she's concerned. She uses that word a bit later on. She makes plans, not plans for her own good, plans at that stage that she thinks are for their good as well. These three women not connected by blood act as family. She's committed to them, as if they're her own flesh and blood. And what a great message for us this morning on Mothering Sunday, a day we celebrate family, that commitment to our loved ones and our friends is actually what makes the world go round. And if you read the New Testament and listen to the words of Jesus, we're told to even show loving commitment to our enemies as well. That's what really makes the world go round, by the way. To prove his love for his wife, a young husband decided to do two or three big acts to show how much he loved her. He went off and uh, he swam the deepest river. This is how much I love you. I swim the deepest river. A bit later on, he carried on his adventure and he showed his affection by crossing the widest desert. And then still much later on, he showed his wife just how fond he was of her and his commitment by climbing the highest mountain. And when he returned home, he found that she'd divorced him because he'd been away for too long motherhood is about commitment love doesn't stop does it when things or people go wrong family and relationships only work when those involved are committed to each other not committed to their own needs but committed to the needs of those they're connected to i wonder this morning if our children regardless of how old they are know that we as parents have their back no matter what I wonder this morning if our partners or our friends know that our love and care is unwavering, and it won't stop if we get a better offer or we've had a bad day. In the New Testament, when Jesus described the love of God and the gospel in a nutshell, he said the words of John 3:16. And he started by saying, "God so loved the world." And I pondered just this morning the word "so." Not God loved the world; He sent His only Son, but God. So loved the world he sent his one and only son. God showed the world his love by sending Jesus Christ and that act was deep commitment, heartfelt love in action. He so loved us that he gave his best, his one and only son. And shouldn't we all to so love those people God has given us to care for? Today I wonder who and how we can so love those people under our care and show a much deeper commitment in that love on a more daily basis. Second thing about Naomi and her example, her commitment to the two daughter-in-laws, but also her selflessness. In verse 8, we read this. Then Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home, and may the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. Second thing we see about her is that she is selfless. As they get ready to go back to Judah, it's almost like she has a light bulb moment, Naomi, and she thinks, hang on a minute, this isn't going to work. I'm already older. I'm going to be a widow for years, and that's just my lot almost. But these two young women could make more of their life. And so she has that moment where she thinks, I've got to let them go. I've got to send them home. I've got to let them go off and find new husbands and get married and have children and do all those things and be blessed by God. And so she blesses them. And so she sends them off to go and remarry. And make no mistake, this decision leaves Naomi destitute. Because she travels to a culture where if you're on your own without a man and without a family, life is a thousand times harder. She gives up her future so they could have their own. A teacher asked a young boy, remember to laugh at the end of this one, says, suppose your mother baked a pie and there were seven of you, your parents and five children. What part of the pie would you get? A sixth, the boy replied. Yes, I'm afraid you don't know your fractions, said the teacher. Remember, there are seven of you. Yes, teacher, said the boy, but you don't know my mother. My mother would say she didn't want any pie. The greatest acts of love in this world are not those that are the most expensive to buy, but those that are the most selfless. We uh, run mate lunch in this church. And those of us that have the privilege of doing that also have the privilege of hearing stories that are nationwide. And some of the stories that we've heard, as we've got ready to run mate lunch here in this church, is that across our nation you find mums and dads going without on a daily basis so their children can be warm and well fed. We hear, I've heard stories of mums and dads getting wet tissue and eating it so they feel full up, but there's nothing in there so their kids can have their food. That's an act of real selfless love. Naomi gives up her future to change theirs. John three, sixteen, God so loved the world. What did he do? He didn't just say, I love you, he gave up. He's acted selflessly. That is the gospel that God loved you, and he gave his son for you. This morning I read a silly thing, um was on Twitter, I think, and it said, Imagine your last text message was your headstone. You can get your phone out and check if you want. But uh, you know, if if my last text message was my headstone, do you know what it would read? Ha ha! Well played. That was to Gareth Lewis, I believe. I forget why. But um, we never text in the morning on a Sunday. But ha ha! Well played. But wouldn't it be better if our legacy, our defining comment on our life, wasn't our selfishness, but our selflessness? Naomi was selfless to these two women, and she made sure they had a future at the expense of her own. This week, how can we love more selflessly? How can we love our children more selflessly? But it gets even more wonderful. In verse 9, she sends them off with her blessing. She says, may the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. She doesn't just say, fine, clear off, I'll go my way. She says, God bless you. I hope it works out well. I hope You will get everything you should have had with my two sons. She releases them with not a hint of bitterness or anger, just love and compassion. What an example she is. Orpah goes reluctantly, but Ruth is so touched by this act that she clings to this godly woman. And she reciprocates grace and that love and that selflessness. And the rest of the book is about that woman, Ruth, and how God uses her in the same way. And so today I guess the message is simple. It is fairly straightforward, yet profound and countercultural, and very difficult to live out. We're a people who are supposed to change the world. As Christians, we're supposed to change the world by showing the love of God, not through force. We're not supposed to force the world to be different. We're not supposed to act with anger, but we're supposed to act with grace. We're not supposed to be and engage in a battle of wills, but by doing selfless acts to change people's lives that reflect the very heart of god at work or in our churches or in our communities or even with our enemies we're supposed to love and live like naomi but perhaps more poignantly this morning we need to take the challenge of loving like naomi showing compassion and commitment and graciousness at home first and foremost with our mums and our dads and our aunts and our uncles and our nans and our granddads and our sons and our daughters and our grandsons and our granddaughters and our husbands and our wives and our cousins and our nieces and our nephews. Because if you can't love them with selflessness and grace, then you won't be able to do it out there for people you've never met. Or if you can do it with them out there, but not with those God has already given to you as precious cargo, then there is something seriously, seriously wrong. Naomi is a real challenge, I believe, to each one of us, to go without so that others can be blessed, to love in a way that is completely selfless. And I challenge every single one of us to change the world, not through how loud we shout, but how loud we love. Let's pray. Father God, we just lift up, Lord, these words to you this morning. And Father, we do lift up Mothering Sunday. Lord, I know that amongst us in in this room, we've all had different experiences of parenthood, Father, either directly as we've become parents or those experiences, Lord, that have happened to us, good and bad. So, Father, I pray for every single person in this room, particularly everybody who is a mum or has been a mum. We pray for your blessing on them and your compassion to be real. And that, Lord, you give them wisdom and grace. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us would love like you do. And Lord, we'll follow the example of Naomi. That we will be committed to those you've given us. You've given us our children. You've given us our partners. You've given us our family. And Lord, we're to love them. And we're to love them the way you love us. Lord, may we not be different at home to where we are outside. May we be the same person always, in all places, in all relationships. And may we change this world, Lord, by showing those random acts of graciousness every single day. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.